Welcome to the 39th episode of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Ryan Singh. Ryan dropped out in the 12th grade. He wasn't doing well in school and got sent to an alternative school. He decided dropping out was a better option. He would DJ and follow his brother around. He turned this into a career. He would work other jobs while building his DJ business. Ryan worked for his uncle at a woodshop. He did other types of jobs too. He even sold insurance. Once the 2020 pandemic slowed down the DJ business, he realized he needed to adapt. He started a financial company with a partner called Win Financial. Listen to how Ryan utilizes DJ and business skills to earn good income while doing what he enjoys. Subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash no degree. Every contribution is appreciated. This show is impossible without you. Let's get this show started. Hello, Ryan. Can you introduce yourself? My name is Ryan Singh. I am an entrepreneur from Toronto, Canada. I specialize in loans, you know, like uh, I work in the finance world. And a little bit about me is, you know, I actually dropped out in grade 12, first semester. First semester. Not only do you do loans, you're a DJ too. Can you talk about that? Yeah, man, honestly. So music came pretty easy to me, you know, like just uh, growing up, I was I was beside my brother. So I always kind of followed him to all of his events, you know, like he was DJing at a birthday. He would be DJing at a club and just everywhere he went, it looked like fun. So I'm like, what? Let me just follow my brother, see, see what he's doing. You know, that was at the age of 12. So I just followed him everywhere to every club. So I became a speaker guy. Then I became his road guy. So like I'm always carrying his like wires to his his music sets, you know, and kind of learned the trades that way. And, you know, like kind of beside my besides my finance company, I built a entertainment company that does like 50 events a year pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. I mean, COVID has definitely changed things up. So you started it, right? It looks fun. When did it start getting a little more serious, right? Because in the beginning it's whatever you follow your brother around then it's it's you help him with the equipment then what was the next step after that yeah so you know it's interesting i didn't even really stay on my brother's path like i just kind of kept going on my own path so you kind of fast forward 10 years later you know i became you know like a promoter like within that realm i became a party promoter i became a you know ticket salesman you know we were selling tickets out of clubs in front of clubs, you know, standing at the line and just being like, yo, who needs a ticket? You know, so I really became that industry head, you know, the entertainment mm-hmm. guy. So instead of just the DJing, I was really, really fascinated by the business aspect of it all. The other thing is, so you dropped out at grade 12. Like, how was school for you in high school? I guess you were doing this. Was this sort of like the DJ? You were like, hey, I'm going to be a DJ. That was the start of the path. Yeah. You know what? Music was always my passion. It got me through the toughest times in life. For me, music was always my best friend. I always had DJing, you know, as to as stress relief, as, you know, just something that keeps me happy, right? I've been DJing since I was 12, you know, that never really changed. I talk about the finance business and that's my primary business now, but the DJing is still very heavy a part of my life, you know? So uh, when did it really get serious? It got serious three years ago, if you were to ask me. I was with my girl at the time. We had alternate ways of making money, you know, some of us, some of us pick legal ways, some of us pick uh, other ways, you know, (laughs) so I spent a lot of time at home. I was making some good money, but then my girl at the time, she goes, I know you make money. Like, I know you're a very successful guy, but like, you ever think about getting like a real, a real job or like pursuing like what you actually want to do? 
So that was like the fire under my butt to say like, I should really take DJing a little bit more serious. So kind of like after that day that she gave me that talk, I just, I don't even drink at events anymore. Like not yet to be cool. It's just carbonated water. I'm okay. As long as I'm okay and the people are entertained and that's what I'm here for. Yeah. So you're kind of approaching it more professionally because I know a lot of DJs, right? They get enthralled. Hey, I'll go. I'll have fun. I'll get free food, free drinks and free that. So what happened after you sort of made that shift? Exactly what you would expect. More business started to flow. People started taking me a little bit more seriously saying, you know, he's a kid, but like, I like the way he talks. You know, I wasn't like kind of following the footsteps of like my peers. You know, my peers are, they want to be cool. They want to have photo shoots to look the part, but they, they don't really get booked that much, you know? So me, I kind of wanted to be booked, but booked because people wanted me there, you know? Like I bring a presence and they just want me there. And that was a difference for me, to be honest with you. So people just saw you as more of a professional, not just like a party person. They're like, look, this is a person. Yes, he works in this industry, but... He's a professional. Yeah. And I just kept going with it. You know, I, I started to secure brands like Boss Supplements for gigs, you know, Planet Fitness. I started getting gym gigs. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. And like you, prior to COVID, bro, like I had my first gym contract. So like I was on top of the world, bro. Now, how'd you get good at DJing? So how does someone get good, right? Because you, you got, and a lot of people, they do start in high school, right? They do kind of have the thing. They have that interest. So what did you do to get good? I actually just practiced, not even just practice for myself. I used events to practice. So like some DJs are like, you know what? Before I go out, I'm going to be the best DJ ever and then go be the best DJ ever. My thought process was I'm just going to go try my hardest on the stage and hope that nobody boos, right? That was me kind of taking that leap. And then after a few leaps, the boost started going down and like the alcoholic party goers started to go up. So you actually got booed? How do you recover from that in the spot you get if you're getting booed? Oh, honestly, bro, you just you can't really recover unless another DJ's there. <laughs> you yeah. need to take your spot. <laughs> How do you get kicked off? How did it feel when you got booed? I was new in the game too. It was like, you're talking like I was 12 years old, 13 years yeah, old. Yeah. People are booing me, right? I'm like, I don't care. I'm a kid. I don't, care. I don't really care. Like, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever they hate me, but like, I'm also just a young guy trying to do it. So that's the way I thought about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm young enough to make mistakes and it's okay if they judge. How'd you have that mentality at 12? Most people at 12, they would be like cowering in a corner and like my life is over. Yeah, honestly, man, I feel like, you know, I grew up in a Caribbean household, you know? So like, we're always taught with tough love. We're always taught with like, if something doesn't work out, you better get up the next day and do it again, you know, or find something else to do. Kind of being raised in that immigrant household, you're sort of pressured to keep going. Now, what was your reason for dropping out of school? Because you dropped out in the 12th grade. How did your sort of parents take it? You know, and how was life during that year that you sort of dropped out? It was an interesting learning phase because, like, I had to be Ryan Singh, the adult. I was no longer the kid getting called to the office anymore. I was, you know, Ryan Singh, the adult in the world, right? So it was interesting how it all happened. So my vice principal calls me over, calls me to her office or whatnot. She sits me down. She goes, you have a lot of absences. Do you even care about your education? It depends on what you're teaching this. And she's like, okay. She's like, okay. She's like, I know you like business and I know 
that's the realm you're going into. But like, don't you think that like, if you were to apply yourself here, you can apply somewhere else as well? You can kind of already guess my answer. <laughs> was, no, I'm like, nah, school can't teach me nothing. But that's just me being a stubborn young adult. I guess after that conversation, you know, I went home. She gave me like a letter to show my parents like that I'm getting kicked out and that I'm, that I'm getting switched to an alternative adult school. Right. So this alternative adult school I've been hearing since I started high school. Everyone's like, you don't want to go to Indec. That's where all crime people go. Like you're probably going to get robbed at lunch, this and that. You're, you're getting told the horror stories. So when I heard the alternative school come out of my vice principal's mouth, I'm like, I quit. Like just like instantly. I'm like, you know what? I don't even need all this. What happened was I called my dad right after and I'm like, dad, do you know anyone that's hiring? And he goes, what do you mean? Don't you have like, don't you have school or something? Yeah, like, he was so confused. He's like, what do you mean hiring? Like, don't you have school? I'm like, honestly, dad, like, yo, don't tell nobody, but like, yo, I'm just trying to work right now. He's like, all right, man. Like, I'm not going to ask too many questions. I'm just going to, I'll call your uncle and see what he says. So calls uh, my uncle, gets me a job at a wood shop. I mean, I became a, a, a wood sander, like a furniture sander for about two years after I quit high school. That's crazy. And you're still DJing. I was still going out on events. People were still hiring me. Like this whole podcast, just think about the music business in the background. There's always an event somewhere. Someone's calling me for their birthday or like a New Year's event. You know, those are pretty big, right? And and kind of like with the wood shop, that's where kind of everything kind of switched. Because I hurt my hands for like years, like two and a half years, like really sanding stuff, falling asleep on the sander, like you said so many things that like you just get so you get tired. Just imagine just standing up sanding all day, pressing on the belt, pressing on the belt, and then eventually your mind just goes to sleep. Yeah, yeah, you're just so monotonous. <laughs> right? So there's a few times where like I would fall asleep and like my hand would go on the sander belt. Hilarious, hilarious. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot through that. You know, I mean, if you were to if you were to ask me like what did I do right after I went to the wood shop? It's interesting because during that time, I joined a multi-level marketing company. It was kind of like my first official break in entrepreneurship where I made some money. You know, yeah. I invested in like a, uh, I don't know if you heard of a company that sells like protein shakes, like who we used to do, right? So okay. um, it was called Isogenics. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, yeah I know. I know Isogenics. Yo, so yo, I made some money. I made some guap. I made some guap in that company. It was nice. I was a Muay Thai fighter at the time, so it really, really worked for me. Another layer of all this story, so while I'm building my music business, while I'm working at the wood shop, I was also a fighter. Man, you've done everything. Yeah, so like right up, because like I'm an angry kid. Like I, I was an angry kid, still kind of am. I still have a little bit of it, but like, I was always an angry kid, you know? Like I was trying to blame the world for stuff. So I needed an outlet to just let it all out. And Muay Thai was that outlet for years, and it's it still it still is. I do shadow boxing in the mornings and everything. Nice, nice. So why did you sort of leave the multi level marketing? Because I realized that I'm not that guy that's going to be recruiting until I'm 100 years old. It's not me. It's not who I am as a as an individual. Like I just don't want to stand in front of people every single night and talk about this great opportunity. And, and I'm the only one getting paid, and then my team is starting to like not get paid. Based on what I know about multi-level marketing, yes, you can make money, but it's not as a lot of the tactics kind of get a little sleazy. 
It's very, honestly, like a lot of people in that uh, industry do not do it well. There's a handful that I know that do it so well. Like they're just so good at it. Like the thing is, they're not there to take like, yes, they're selling you an investment. Yes, they're telling you about the opportunity, but they make sure that you make the money at least. But like, I just didn't want to be trapped in that bubble where it's like, I'm always in front of people wearing a suit, but there's no checks in my bank. I just didn't want to be a fraud. I found out a lot of people that were frauds in the industry and I just, bad taste. Yeah, I can imagine because there's so many people who say, you know, because I know some of the extreme ones, right? They'll rent cars when they go to these places, they'll rent houses, they'll keep up a front and you think, oh, this person has so much money or they'll have money from other sources and they'll say, I made it from this company. And, you know, it seems like you didn't want to be that. You want to be like, look, I want to be honest with people. Yeah, like I just want, I actually want people to win. If you were to realize like, you know, as we get to know each other, as we build our friendship, like you're going to realize like that's just who I am as a character. You know? I'm never really going to wash off. <laughs> yeah. Now you sort of stopped that. You did the Muay Thai fighting. Now the wood shop, what else did you learn? And why did you sort of leave the wood shop? What was happening is like my ego happened really, to be honest with you. You know, it was a good job. It was a good job. Yeah. I was making some good coin. I'm a young adult, you know, making some good coin, investing in stuff, doing my thing. But it's just, I didn't, like the way my boss spoke to me. That was your uncle? Yeah. <laughs> He's my uncle. You know what? He's my boss, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Sometimes he'll come in and like have a tone, right? So one time that he had a tone, that, like that that wrong tone on that one day, wasn't having it. I was not having it, yo, because I just got a paycheck from Isogenics that day. This guy started yelling and I'm like, you know what? Deuces. How'd your father take that? Honestly, like to even dive deeper into the father aspect, I actually do not have a relationship with my dad. I only linked him that time to get a job. Like it sounds like a very bad thing to do, but like that's what I did. You got to do what you got to do. Right. Like, he lined me up with a job and like that was kind of it, you know? And then like, I guess after the wood shop, I just wanted to really get better at sales because I realized I'm a talker at the end of the day. I like people. I enjoy people. I'm in the entertainment business. It kind of makes sense to be that person, right? So I made that decision to then sharpen up my sales skills. Like, Ryan, you're not good at anything else. You've dropped out of school. What else do you have to offer the world? That's what I thought of. How did I develop that mindset? Honestly, I've had a lot of mentors, but the mentor that stayed consistent for me, audiobooks. Audiobooks are amazing. Audiobooks or even books in general. Like, uh, you know, before I dropped out of high school, I was in the library every single day reading um, a book by Barbara, uh, one of the Dragon's Den ladies, you know, and like laugh at me. Everyone used to kind of make fun of me that I dressed up and went to school. They're like, yo, it's just high school, bro. Why you all? Why are you wearing a dress shirt, bro? Kind of trying to razz me, but like it never really worked. Now you're taking your business more seriously, right? You sort of left the wood shop. You're doing the thing. So how was it in the beginning? In the beginning of like when I left? The transition. When you transition, because now obviously you don't have the wood shop money. Now you got to, how was that? I had the isogenic money still rolling through, right? So I made another decision. I'm like, all right, sick. We're going to need another source of income because the salary has gone. I decided to become an insurance agent at the time, right? Because I heard insurance is real good money. You know, my boy was making some good, some good money in insurance. And I was like, you know what? Let me give it a crack. Isogenics was still rolling in the background. I quit my job. So now it's like, I'm kind of like on my own path. 
in order to get past all of these like insurance um, protocols is I had to write an exam. I had to stay in a hotel for about three to four weeks, study, and then officially write my exam. The best part is I lied the whole entire time, meaning like they're like, oh, you have to pass high school. You got to have certain qualifications. I'm like, yeah, sure. I have all of it. No problem. Just yeah, yeah we'll call my high school, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, long story short, I passed with like an 86. Happy I was that I even passed. I'm like, bro, I'm a high school dropout. How the hell did I get an 86% on an insurance exam? <laughs> I was actually really happy. Like, I actually still have the exam up to this day. It's hilarious. But, like, I was I was kind of proud because it's like, I thought I was a stupid kid because I'm like, yo, everyone else went to high school. Everyone else went to school. Everyone else seems smarter than me, right? So when I saw that 86%, it was more for me. Like, I was like, wow. Like, right, you, you can do whatever you set your mind to. Nice, nice. So you got the 86. So did you start working in insurance after that? Yeah, yeah. I made a couple of sales. It was good. Made some money. Um, but then I realized that I had quotas to make and I didn't know that there were quotas. My boy didn't really tell me either. And uh, they terminated my license. <laughs> oh man, that sucks. How so how long were you working in insurance? I think like three, four months. Like in, if if you don't produce in three months, they uh terminate your license, bro. I was taken back. I was like, Really? Y'all gonna do that? I bet. So when that happened, I took it to the chin, of course. Took it. It's okay, no problem. Like I said, I wanted to get better at sales. So I'm like, okay, I'm not going to stop at that. Okay, that wasn't like I still invested over there. Still business. Okay, how about let me go get a job and see what happens? Maybe a normal civilian for once, you know? So then I got back in to the working realm. You know, I started, I, I think I got a job at actually the uh, Lens Crafters. Okay, the glasses place. Yeah, yeah. I started selling sunglasses, eyewear. You name it, prescription. Like, I can probably tell what prescription your eyes are, you know, if you start wearing glasses, you know? <laughs> but to kind of, like, go further on my point, it's like I just kept on getting jobs that required sales ability. So what other jobs? How long did you work at LensCrafter? So seven months at LensCrafters. Uh, then I uh, went into this boiler room company. I call it boiler room. It's like it's just what it is. It was a telemarketing agency. It was called the ProSource. We sold light bulbs around Canada and the U.S. It actually makes some pretty good bank on that as well. I just got tired of the boss. Like, he was just more of a whip kind of boss. Or if you don't pick up the phone in the next, like, 10 minutes, uh, you know, I'm going to have to write you up. So for me, like, my personality does not mesh with micromanaging. Guys that will go find a solution and bring you the solution in three different ways. But, like, give me the time to bring those solutions to you. Yeah, yeah. And don't be told like, hey, you need to do it X, Y, Z way, you know, barring, I guess, policy and stuff. You want to be able to have some freedom. Exactly. So like one day when he kind of gave me like an, like he kind of ripped me a new one one day, half an hour later, I just started packing up my stuff. <laughs> I said, I went into his room for a sec. I'm like, bro, it's been a great time, bro. You taught me a lot. He goes, that's, he's like, that's it, eh? I'm like, yeah, man. Thank you for so, like, thank you so much for the opportunity, bro. Like. I really do appreciate you, bro. Like, it's just not working out still. And he's like, all right, man. Like, no problem. I just walked on. <laughs> and kind of after that, I got a door knocking job at Rogers. Started making some crazy sales uh, over there. You know, door knocking. You're talking like 20, 30 houses a day. We went ham. Door knocking is a different beast. Like, if you really want to get sales experience, <laughs> like, 
door knocking will teach you something. You know, you'll never get actually rejected again from anybody. <laughs> You're a door knocker. That was so the light bulb company. How long was that? Uh, about the same. Like a lot of these jobs, they only lasted about six, seven months. To be real with you, you know, at a time, right? So you know, went to Rogers for a bit, made some money. What else did I do? There's so much. I, I worked at Champs Sportswear for a bit to learn customer service. You know, like anything I think I needed to learn, I got a job to teach me it. So now, looking back, right? What do you think you could have done to sort of avoid sort of being at these places for six to seven months? Like now that you're older, you understand yourself a little more. What do you think? What was missing? I like that. I like that. I mean, what I think was missing in those environments is the lack of uh, trust, like within the organization. It's like if you're going to get like, for example, like the way I lead my team now, it's like I'm not going to go ask one of my agents how is the deal going like i might ask them like you know one or two times but i'm gonna assume that the task is done and i'll trust you on it especially if you tell me right don't worry i'll get it done or i'll be prospecting today or hey right don't worry you're gonna you're gonna get a file this week right it's not up to me to bring the file it's always up to the other guy so it's like i don't really even pressure my agents either so if you ask me like what was missing, it's like I, I would rather I would have rather them trust my work ethic. If they trusted that I can get the work done, they would never talk to me like that. It was more that you were getting the work done and you're like, you know, just let me produce my results. Don't bother me. Precisely. Like that's actually it. Now, how was the DJ stuff going on in the background? Like how was it moving along? DJ, honestly, the DJ world has always kept me busy. You know, like the Christmas time got busy all the, every single year. You know, I've been a DJ for 10 years now, but every single holiday season, I'm booked at least four times. Would you recommend this, like someone to get started in the DJ scene right there in high school or early, just doing a lot of like small free events, like little birthdays, little gatherings? Yeah, I would, I would highly, highly suggest like even like your school, like if you're a high school student, Ask your high school prom like advisors or your committees, ask them if you can DJ, even do it for free. You know how much clout you'll get from high school? Like if you're a DJ looking to break out and you're waiting for your moment, you should promote yourself in high school. Watch how big you're going to be. <laughs> yeah, because all the high school kids, when they go to college, they'll be like, hey, he's the DJ guy. Yeah, they everyone grows up, but they remember you because you were that loud guy all the time DJing or you always released a mix in the background and you're making people listen to it. Like that was me. I was the annoying kid at, at the table. I'm like, yo, guys, 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 listen to this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what mistakes did you make as sort of like a DJ? Like what would you have told yourself to like, hey, you know what? This is what you got to fix. This is what you got to do. What advice would you have for a high school kid? Yeah. So, I mean, even like a, like a high school kid um, getting into it, it's like, just don't compare yourself to the next DJ is what I will tell you. It's not a race. It's never going to be a race. Like I still got my success in the time I got it. I've been in the game 10 years, but my real success happened because of three years of my actions, you know? So like, I wouldn't ever recommend that you compare your success with someone else's because it's never going to feel right. Yeah. Now, what's the equipment required to get started? And how much does it cost about? 
Yeah, honestly, in the DJ world, you can get started on virtual DJ for free. Like, let's be real. Like, that's where I started. I, I started on a laptop, no equipment for years. And I DJed a couple of parties on virtual DJ. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of us have. Like, any DJs that are listening to this, let me know if you have. Like, that's hilarious. But virtual DJ is usually a thing. You know, if you do want to get started and you want to learn the basics, just download virtual DJ on Google. Like, that's it. Yeah. Virtual DJ. Now, what happens when you're past the virtual DJ phase? What are you going next? Like, what's the next upgrades that a DJ would do to sort of be, you know, more professional, more up there, get more skills? You look at equipment, you know, you're, you're like, okay, so what do I like playing with? If you're like me and you're a mobile DJ. So when I say mobile, that means you're going to birthdays, you're going to private events, you're actually going everywhere, right? So I'm a mobile DJ, so I require like very light equipment. So for me personally, I have a Serato DJ. So Serato DJ is a program software, right? But also I have a DDJ SX2. That's a digital player. You know, you connect it to Serato, not virtual DJ. You connect it to Serato. You have your cue points. You got all your sound, you know, your sound bites and stuff that you can use as well. But uh, right now I'm using a DDJ SX2. You know, and that's that's that would be the second step, you know, like figure out how you like to play. Like, who are you as a DJ? Nice, nice. Now, what's the third? Now, what's the, what's the next level? Let's get booked. You know, like the third, the third step, I'd say get booked, you know, like don't worry about practicing the perfect party or the, the perfect party will never. Yo, honestly, the perfect party will never come. It still hasn't come for me. Like, I've never had a perfect event ever. What does a perfect event even mean? It's like the schedule is not messed up. You got the soundtracks um, in a list all nice and coordinated with the names and artists delivered to you two weeks prior to the event, right? You also got a contract signed for the gig that everyone knows the price of and they paid you, they paid you your deposit. As long as all those three things are good, I don't see anything else bad happening. But in events and people... There's always a variable. You can never have a flawless event. There's always a one-two thing that bothers you as an as an organizer or as an entertainer. What's like the pricing, right? So once people get past the free stage, like what's an appropriate price for like someone with just you know like the basic equipment at like a birthday party? Wow. Honestly, be fair to yourself and charge like at least one hundred fifty dollars an hour. Just be fair to yourself and be fair to the industry. Because like, I don't know, for me, I don't like watered down territories. Like, for example, like in uh, Toronto, where I'm at, I'm actually in Brampton. My rate is $150 an hour right now. Currently does not move, does not shift. That's it. Like, that's actually it. Like, if you ask me about a lower price. If it's a high school kid, what I would recommend is do as many freebies as you possibly can because they're always going to remember you as the DJ kid. Yeah. So you're past high school. Now you're in college. You're starting out. You're looking for your first gig. You still say 150 an hour? If you're in the college, college university realm? Yeah. Or you're just a, you know 18 to 22, right? You're, because you're you've done still, enough. You should still get a 150 an hour. You should still. Like even promoter. Like the thing is. People, people downgrade DJs a lot. Like, like, like we don't produce the party, right? So it's like, 
I always encourage DJs to always just charge what you're worth. You know, you're going to be standing there for the whole event anyways, you know? So that's my thought process on this. Like, be fair to yourself. Be fair to yourself. Okay. Oh, cool. So now, you know, you're doing the DJs, right? You're, you're sort of bringing in good, mo- you know, good money. Now COVID happens and, you know, obviously that shakes up the scene, right? Just parties don't happen. Just events are not happening like that. What sort of made you start the financial company? Exactly that. But why financial company? Why was it a financial company and not some other type of company? Yeah, I'll dive into it. So I had a job uh, about three, yeah, I want to say three and a half years ago or a couple of years ago. I was at Truck Loan Center um, as a loan broker. I was one of their first um, advisors that really, really excelled. You know, like I expanded their business in Canada selling loans, you know? So when I say loans, I'm talking about business loans to like trucking companies, manufacturing companies. Um, I was calling a lot of uh, Georgia, Georgia truckers. Me and Georgia were best friends. I would make 200 calls to Georgia every day and just just shoot it with truckers, you know, talk about loans, talk about life, talk about what it's like in Georgia. You know, I would do some research from Toronto to get the knowledge. And I'm like, yo, you know this intersection over here, bro? He goes, yeah, I pass it all the time. I'm like, yo, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I had so much fun in that job that I got so good at it. Like I started, I just started getting very good at, you know, selling loans and just having that communication with the business owner that I grown a love for it. So, you know, this COVID thing happened and I basically had no income. I was like, what happened? Like, I was yeah. I was at the top of my game, bro. Like, when I tell you I was going to go harder this year than ever before, yeah. like, well, I was ready to go, right? Yeah. So what happened, I was like, wow, question mark. What am I supposed to do now, right? Yeah. Um, so what made me got into the loan industry was I got good at that job. Some good coins, selling loans. I'm pretty sure I can call my old boss back and, like, see if I can ask him to to allow me to work from home or something. I call him, this is like, like February. I'm up and like, hey, Neil, how are you? Hope you're doing well, you know? I know it's been a while. I'm sorry I quit abruptly and stuff, but like, you know, we're boys, bro. (laughs) We're boys, you know? And then, um, yeah, he had no hate in his heart. He's like, bro, like, I always cared about you, bro. So like, don't think like I hate you, bro. Like, if you need help, I'll help you. So he, he extended his hand. He offered me the position. I took it. But what he also didn't realize is I'm still a businessman at the end of the day. So three months later, after accepting his, uh, his agent contract of working outside, I found a lender of my own, which just means I am no longer the middleman. I can go direct to a lender, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where Win Financial sparked. Because uh, Win Financial is my company, by the way. Win Financial, we do like uh, we do financial plans for families. We do insurance, but my division we focus on loans for companies and real estate and mortgages. Right when I found that lender, it was kind of like that light bulb moment. You know, kind of just like how we met over LinkedIn. I messaged uh, my friend Mustafa. I'm like, hey, we gotta connect. I see your lender. Let's work. Let's figure this out. He did not reply to me for like two weeks. Right. And I'm like, what's going on? And I'm a salesman. I don't take no answer for an answer. 
So I called him like 10 times and um, he finally answered one day and he goes, bro, like, I'm ready, bro. I'm ready. Like, let's sign you guys up. Let's get you guys going. Let's create this. And within a span of a week, we had a logo for Win Financial. We had a website built. You know, we invested in a website, me and my partner. This is not just me. You know, I have a partner named Mario as well. Um, and he focuses on the insurance stuff. You know, so whenever I have like an insurance client or something and they're asking me questions, I'm like, hey, I don't got all the answers for all of that. You would ask my friend Mario, <laughs> you know, but um, through all of this, through all this storm and all this carnage, you know, I did find that silver lining, which was my new company now, Win Financial. Now that you sort of got the partner, what are sort of your goals for Win Financial? You know what? It changes. It changes every single quarter so far. I realized. So the more than more that I work, like this is, I'm actually gonna drop a, like another bomb on you actually. So during this time, I've been I've been building the, the loan company. We have ten agents. I have a partner in it. Everything is nice. You know, if you were to go to on the site, you'd be like, wow, this is kind of cool. I've also developed. Uh, you saw how the music industry went. It kind of went pause. That kind of made me sad. Like, like as a musician, we can't be out. We can't enjoy like people. And I wanted to find another way to impact the music industry somehow. Um, so one day I was chilling at uh, my friend's studio called Vision Room. Uh, Vision Room is located in Brampton. It's a spot where like people can come take like family portraits and you know like those cool shoots like Christmas and stuff right one day it was like a, i think a family shoot was going on and like i'm uh, i'm helping with operations so i'm just kind of like walking around making sure everyone's good uh cleaning and stuff and then i hear someone singing in the background and i'm like i asked my friends i'm like yo are you guys playing music or something and they're like nah like i think that was just someone singing I'm like someone's singing like that hold on so then i knock on the door and i'm like excuse me who's singing <laughs> I know, I know, weird question, right? Uh, I just walked in, and it's a good thing I knew the mom. So I'm like, I'm like Melanie, who was singing just now? Point her out. And she goes, oh, that's my daughter. I'm like, you have a daughter for some? <laughs> but found out that her daughter is an extremely good singer. She is so talented, which inspired me to get into talent management. I'm an A&R now, officially. A lot of, uh, like, you know, the last three to six months have been a lot of twists and turns, you know. So, you know, along with, you know, the DJ company, which is now kind of turning into like a talent management firm. I have the finance business, but my heart is always in music. So now I'm working on developing my R&B artist, Leah, to, you know, like progress her career, you know, get her music out, get her signed one day all that good stuff. But like, that's, that's something I haven't even dropped publicly. So not that exclusive. <laughs> they got the exclusive. No, that, I mean, that's cool, man. So now let's really start kind of looking back at your sort of career. What are some things that you personally would have done differently? You know, if you had the choice, like you're 18 again, or you're 15 again, how would your road look different? I would go to school, to be honest with you. I would go to school. I would have liked to experience college life you know like just frat house you know like the cool shit you see on tv if you were to ask me like if i were to go back and like switch anything really like not too much 
I would just have rather me finish high school and go to uni. Go like meet people, man. Like go figure it out with other people in the same dorm room or that's what I would have done. I would have went to post-secondary and figured it out. So you feel like you sort of missed out on some community aspects? Yeah. yeah. Oh, like honestly, if I were to give any type of advice, I'd be like, guys, like finish school. <laughs> finish school. Like not even just finish school. Like that should always be a priority. But like it's not just school being the resource. It's the people that go to school with you that are the resource. Because eventually those people are going to become like, you know, these big tycoons and business owners one day. You just don't see it right now, you know, because now I'm, I'm like I'm 25 now. All my friends are like I have some friends in real estate killing it. I see them on TV and it's like even rivers because I'm like, I know you, bro. I'm very happy for the circles. Right. So it's like. I guess my advice, like for for someone like, hey, like, should I quit school and just like double down on this? It's like, uh, I wouldn't recommend that. I wouldn't recommend that. I've done it. It was one of the hardest things in life. But would I recommend that to like someone that can't take heavy hits? Probably not. You had that, right? That 86 that you ended up. So that was obviously like a big moment for you where you're like, was there anything else? That was another big moment where you're like, look, I'm not stupid. Right. I definitely know my stuff. What was another moment where you kind of had that? Uh, another moment was um, the start of Win financial, to be honest with you. The last three years, really, I wasn't like Ryan Singh network with Rye, who I am right now. I was just kind of Ryan Singh, just kind of, you know, just kind of going with the flow, seeing if there's business out there and seeing what's going on. But now it's like, I'm on a different kind of level. Like now, now it's a different level completely, you know, now with the, with everything going on and, you know, like the new management company, we got Win financial on the rise. Those were a lot of like, I guess my bragging rights, if you were to say anything, my accomplishments, my inner accomplishments, I guess another one that I was proud about that I didn't really mention too much. I wish I had it with me so I could show you. I know we're on video now. I was going to show you. So in, um, in Muay Thai, so I'm wearing my Muay Thai hoodie right now, but in Muay Thai, you get a golden sash like to wrap around your arm. It's an indication from your crew that, you know, you've passed on to another level. So if you're to ask me like in my, like what is another accomplishment that I feel really, really like I'm going to take it to my grave, that it's not even money. It's not business. It's not like, you know, <laughs> what are some things that a lot of people just don't know about the life of the DJ, right? Because they see, okay, there's the party aspect, there's that aspect you're there. What are some other things that people just don't know that it's like, that's the life of a DJ? The preparation, the preparation before the event. Jeez, bro, it's crazy. Like when I, when I talk about preparation, I'm talking, we got to download all the songs that we're going to play in that night. We got to redo our sets because we don't want to play the same thing. And... We're perfectionists. So we're, we're going to sit there until it's done. You know, so like, yeah, you booked us for your event and we're just coming out with our laptop. It looks like sometimes, but the prep prior to the event is what you all don't see. You know, like we're, we're mixing in our bedrooms before the event because we have anxiety because we're about to see X amount of people and play for X amount of people. Right. So th there's a little bit of anxiety that comes before the event. Like, am I going to be perfect? Am I, am I even the right DJ for these folks? Like, I know they hired me. I know they're confident in me. I know they gas me up and they're like, yo, you're, you're you know, you're the greatest DJ. I know I got to hire you, bro. 
But like, there's still that doubt. Just being a creator, it's like you're about to walk into the room. You're like, I hope this goes well. Like, regardless of how it looks, it could be Drake's party, and you're like, I hope this goes well. So you mentioned the 150 an hour. So yes, let's say you have a three, four hour party, you're getting the 450 to 600 bucks. But how much preparation would you say goes into that? Because you know, a lot of times people think, oh, I'm paying this guy 150 an hour, but they're paying for more than that, right? They're paying for several hours on top of that. Yeah, and like to to even further, like um, what I also do too is I give them a recording of their live mix. Yeah, they have the service and they pay me for it. I give them the recording as well. Like I make sure I wrap this whole value position into a nice bow, right? So I send them a recording, and sometimes they have the speeches on there too. So you know, like they they feel like wow, like this DJ really recorded this for me. But in our head, we just hit record before we started playing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those little things make a big difference. But you were saying it's part of the prep. Like that, that's just part of like. I guess the package even, you know, like um, the prep work is crazy. And I, I'm going to keep saying that because I'm just one of those DJs that prep a lot. Like I prep a lot. Well, how much prep would require a three, four hour event? How much would you say realistically? What's the range? I'm going to say two hours comfortably. And is that because you've done it enough or it's how much would a beginner sort of take? It actually depends on the event too. So like, for example, like house parties, it probably takes me maybe an hour, two hours, maybe an hour. Maybe and honestly, house parties I don't even like switch anything around anymore because it's it's always the same music. Depending on your demographic as well, like if you're partying for like Guyanese people, like you already know that all you have to play is like chutney, Indian music, soca. But if you're if you're dealing for like a wedding, you don't know who's gonna show up, right? So weddings are a little bit like so. For example, if it's a house party, maybe in like an hour, you're gonna look at your crates. Okay, you know what? I'll mix it up tonight. But corporate events are a little tedious as well because you actually need everything to be flawless, just like a wedding. So like when we start to get into the bigger events, like corporate functions and weddings, that's when you start to sweat. Like that's when the prep becomes a little nerve wracking. Every second needs to count and be perfect. I've had a bride and groom about to walk in and then the sound cuts. You know, because the like the venue's speakers couldn't handle it. You know, like like I remember one time. So, for example, like this event that I'm talking about, I saw them prior to the event. I'm like, guys, like I don't think your system's gonna be able to handle this, yo. Like, no, what are you talking about? Like, you know, so many DJs used this before. I'm like, okay, no problem. But I'm gonna bring my own setup just in case yours flops. Theirs flopped. And guess who saved the day? But. It was only because I was prepped. Like I was like, okay, I know this might happen. I know this might happen. Let me be prepared before it happens. <laughs> that that's why that like the prep is more for everybody else to feel assured that the party's going well. That's very important. Was there another time, like another situation like that that you remember that you want to share? Yeah, man, honestly, there were so many instances. I mean, like there was one party that I charged this guy like six fifty for. Like this is a crazy story. So okay, not that crazy. This is like I was just fascinated at the amount that he paid me to do what I did. So you know, he paid me like six fifty, right? For a kid's party. You know what I did for that DJ night? I put on a mix. Like a kid's mix for like an hour or two and repeated the whole thing for like four hours. And there he was happy? The kids were, they were going 
Bonk. How old were these kids? When I when I tell you these, like they were just kids, bro, like three, four, five. It was like mainly a party. Like I think he turned like sixty that day. He's like, yeah, just music in the background, buddy. And I'm like, all right, like no problem. <laughs> That's what he paid for. And that was the weirdest booking ever because like I just sat there. He was okay with it. Like he was like, good job, man. Like you did well. And like, bro, I did not DJ, bro. <laughs> like I did not touch my stuff. <laughs> I just made it look like it was still. Yeah. No, you got a appearances, appearances. Yeah, yeah. But uh, like a cool party that I've DJed at was um has to be like this place called El Jefe's in um M- Mississauga. Oh, it was rammed one night. Like I'm talking like I don't know, 100, 150 people. Like just imagine like a like a nice narrow bar and like an L shape, you know, just packed. And like I'm the DJ in the corner. So there was nights like that during like the NBA, like during um I don't know if you remember when the Raptors won. Oh, I could imagine. Oh man, that was crazy. Bro, Toronto was crazy, bro. I never had. Okay, first off, I got tipped so much that, that during those times, I got tipped so much. I've got like just people were happy. Like people, like when I tell you, like people were just so happy to be around other people during that time. You know, like I had to decline so many drinks, but like yeah. So another memorable time was when Toronto won. Like. The whole city was on tilt. They did not stop. They like they, they didn't stop until like Lakers won like last week too. Sorry, you next time. Nah, I mean that's that's cool. So I mean, let's wrap up. So how would someone sort of get in contact with you? Yeah, for me, honestly, it's very easy. You can contact me on Instagram at network with Rye. That's network with R-Y. And on LinkedIn, same thing. Network with Rye, R-Y. Same thing on Facebook as well. Uh, I kept the branding pretty pretty uh, similar. Nice, nice. That's good. That's pretty much it, you know? Yeah. So, no, I mean, thank you for your time. I mean, it was very cool just to hear your growth and how you branched off in different ways and just the ups and downs of your careers. And I know there's going to be many more good things happening to you in the future. Yeah, man. Yeah, honestly, thank you for your time too, you know. Listeners, I hope you guys got a lot of value out of this episode. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No Degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is appreciated and we'll go towards making future episodes even better. Follow us on Instagram or Snapchat at No Degree Podcast. On Facebook at Facebook.com slash No Degree INC. If you want to personally reach out to me, connect or follow me on LinkedIn at Janaid Iqbal, spelled J-O-N-A-E-D, last name I-Q-B-A-L. Until next time, no degree, no problem nodegree.com Yeah So You got no degree No problem No problem Any problem We can solve We got this LinkedIn insomnia Keeps us evolving Growing and knowing Wisdom is flowing If you didn't know Now you know where I'm going If you didn't know Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, 
no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. LinkedIn insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing, the wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.